Oh, my God. 
25 minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
נכנס למקום שנכנס ועמד במקום שעמד בחץ ידיו רגליו טבל עליו ונסתפק בא ממקום שהוא בא והלך למקום שהלך פשט בגדי החול לבש בגדי לבן וכך היה אומר אנשים כפר לחטאים, לעוונות ולפשעים שחטאתי לפניך, אני וביתי ואם אדם יכול לזכור את הפגמים, את החסרונות את כל הפשעים, את כל העוונות בטח ככה היה מונה אחת, אחת ואחת, אחת ושתיים אחת ושלוש, אחת וארבע, אחת וחמש. ישר היה מתייאש, כי לא יכול היה לשאת את המרירות אחת, את הבושה, את הפספוס, את ההפסד. בכהנים והעם העומדים בעזרה, כשהיו שומעים את שם השם. המפורש יוצא מפי, כהן גדול היו קוראים, משתחווים ונופלים על פניהם. ברוך שם כבוד מלכותו לעולם ועד. שפסה, פניו לקודש אחוריו להיכל. ללא רבב היו שווים פיו ומעשיו. בא ממקום שהוא בא, והלך למקום שהלך. פשט בגדי לבן, לבש בגדי זהב. וכך היה אומר הנשם, כפר לחטאים, לעוונות ולפשעים. שחטאתי לפניך, אני וביתי. ואם אדם יכול לזכור את החסדים, את הטובות, את כל הרחמים, את כל הישועות, בטח ככה היה מונה אחת, אחת ואחת, אחת ושתיים. אחת מאלף, אלפי אלפים, ורוב ריבי רבבות. ניסים נפלאות שעשית עימנו ימים ולילות וכהנים והעם העומדים בעזרה כשהיו שומעים את שם השם המפורש יוצא מפי כהן גדול היו קוראים משתחווים ונופלים על ברוך שם כבוד מלכותו לעולם ועד. ‫את 
יצא ורעד במקום שעמד. פשט בגדי זהב, לבש בגדי עצמו. בכל העם והכוהנים היו מלווים אותו לביתו. ויום טוב לאוהביו, כי נסלח לכל עדת ישראל. Oh, no, 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 no,
J.M. in the A.M. That is the um, that is the makeup, if you will, for the uh, the fact that we interrupted that uh, selection from Shlomo Kalbach yesterday, and I said we get back to it. Uh, I don't remember what was going on, but I know we interrupted it to um, either get someone on the air or 
or uh, announce something to the public, not sure. But anyway, <laughs> there it is, Shlomo Kalbach. The Einenu Sirena, we know it as uh, Mimkomcha here at the JM in the AM. Before that, Michal Brzezanski, Pia Pascha, you heard Seder Avoda, brand new from Yishai Rebo. Raya Mehemna with Lachado D, Aishas Chayel done by Lev Yatan, and of course, Regesh, Modaani opening things up. And we say good morning. Welcome to a Friday on this September 13th. I think today is the anniversary of the Oslo Accords at the White House, which I'm assuming was in 1993. Does that make sense? I think it was 93. 03, 13, 26 years ago today on the White House lawn for the Oslo Accords. 26 years ago today. Pretty amazing that I remember it was September the 13th, but that's the... Uh, that's the impression that that ceremony had on me and many others who were very concerned about the future of the state of Israel. It is the 13th of Elul, the year 5779, Tuf Shani and Tess. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Kitetze with candle lighting time in New York at 648. A lot of synagogues begin, uh, well, obviously at different times because you're in different areas of the world, but some begin earlier than uh, 648 as well. Make sure you know when things start. Where you are, uh, 60 degrees, partly cloudy, high temperature today, 72. Tonight, partly cloudy, a low 63. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy with a high temperature, 77 here in New York. 82 right now in Yerushalayim. We're at 60 at the NSN headquarters. And I thank all of you for tuning in from around the world. Remember our uh, September pre-Rosh Hashanah uh, end of 5779 campaign is on. We thank those of you who've given and have been uh, generous donors during 2019. If you have not yet had an opportunity to support us, please, please do so. Go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and to be as generous as possible. Keep us going here at JM and the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network. Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He'll join us coming up 7.40 Eastern time here at JM in the AM. Lots to talk about in the weekly update. That's an understatement. So uh, that'll be coming up here at JM in the AM. Yesterday, after our JM in the AM broadcast in the morning from New York City, we went straight to Lakewood, New Jersey. And... Um, we uh, we hosted the live lunch from J2 down in Lakewood. First of all, a big thank you to Louis Fullman. Great host, um, great guest on the air, and a great sense of humor. We were able to have some fun at Lakewood's expense because of Louis. <laughs> so I thank him very, very much. And a big thank you to all of the guests who stopped by, including Menasha Miller, Deputy Mayor of Lakewood, the Chief of Police of Lakewood, which was really cool, and um, Jack Shelby, my wonderful friend from uh, Seasons and at one time the Grand Deli, and of course from Shelby's Got to Eat if you follow him on Instagram. That was a fun segment. And um, we really had a good time down there. We had a good time, and uh, and Lakewood is booming. Lakewood is booming. What a community. 
It is really amazing to see. I was saddened to hear after uh, we left town yesterday, I was saddened to hear about the passing of Rav Shlomo Gissinger. Um, Rav Gissinger and I crossed paths once, and that was a Pesach, I believe, in 2009. I believe we spent Pesach together in 2000. I'm just trying to get the year, but I think it was, two, it, maybe it was 2008. I think it was 2008 we spent Pesach together. And yeah, even, even 10, 11 years later, I remember him fondly because of the impression he made on me. Everything they are writing about him is 100% true. So approachable, so so um, normal in his approach to so many things that we had an opportunity to discuss over that yuntif. And it was really a, a, a privilege to have gotten to know him for the few days that I knew him back then. And I was saddened to hear uh, of his passing. So with, with great fondness, we um, remember Haraf Shlomo Gissinger, who passed away, a funeral taking place in Lakewood this morning. And of course, our uh, condolences to his entire family. And um, like I say, everything they are writing about him, I saw this morning's uh, Hamodia newspaper, and they uh, they write here, Rav Gissinger was known not only as a posek and for his godless in Torah, but also as a Rav who was personally involved in the plight of many who needed assistance, helping many mostos and chesed organizations in their undertakings. Um... He was admired for his, here's the way to put it. This is how I should have said it. He was admired for his down-to-earth, accessible demeanor with an open door for Shilas, both the simpler everyday sort as well as those dealing with complex areas of halacha. And um, the funeral is taking place, Levaya, 11 o'clock, Kahal Zichron Yaakov on Sunset Road in Lakewood this morning. And again, our condolences to his family. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that I was able to uh, to meet him and, and, and in this case pay tribute to the memory of um, of a Rav who is uh, to be admired and uh, he was admired by many, Rav Shlomo Gissinger. Friday morning broadcast on this era of Shabbos here at JM in the AM. And um, we'll continue with plenty more an hour away from our weekly update or by Yudin, of course, who join us with the... Uh, Torah portion of the week later on in the 8 o'clock hour, and much, much more. Keep it right here at JM in the AM with Zusha and Pumpadisa. Ah, ba 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 
That's Nachas with uh, with Bisharze here at JM in the AM. As we uh, pray for all those who are ill. Uh, before that, you heard uh, Bashir at Sholi Zusha had Baruch Hashem after the uh, Kalbach tune Friday morning on this era of Shabbos Parshas Kitetze. We've tracked down Miriam Al Wallach, who's with us live via telephone. We'll see what the uh, if she has any type of update regarding the uh, the most talked about feud in uh, in recent radio history, which is of course the uh, Azer Mitzion battle that uh, she and I are in. Miriam L. Wallach, welcome back to JM and the AM. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, good morning. couple of things from yesterday before we get to Azer Mitzion. Um, I didn't realize that while we were having that in-depth conversation at, uh, sometime between 12.30 and 1 o'clock yesterday with uh, Jack Shelby, remember that conversation we had down in Lakewood? Sure, it was after 12.30, but yeah. Yeah, which was a lot of fun and which was, uh, it certainly, I, I, I thought at least, I thought it was a really good segment. So, first of all, I didn't realize there were some comments on the app that would have enhanced our show. I don't know if you saw. Oh, no. Yeah, I don't know if you saw any of these. First of all, uh, you're obviously, uh, and I say obviously uh, parenthetically, but it is obvious from this comment, your obviously good friend Mark Zomick commented, Miriam was on the air until 11 a.m. with her show. I think she got to Lakewood pretty quickly. This was after all the criticism that you had taken from us about being there as late as you were. Of course, the reality was that, as as I think we explained, uh, that you had a, a crazy schedule yesterday morning. But Mark was out there saying, come on, guys. She's on the air till 11 in New York City, you know. It's not bad. Oh, so you're saying so you're saying that Mark was Mark was on Team Miriam. Yes, for sure. I think oh. so. I think I th- so. I thought I thought you were saying that Mark was was worried about the speed at which I traveled from Manhattan to Lakewood, and that I made it in such a short time. No, not at all. I think he, I think he was playing. I think he was playing along with the fact that uh, some people thought you were in New York City and then got to Lakewood, you know, again at, at, at pretty quickly. So right. anyway, then listen right. then okay. listen then listen to Ralph, I think I think in in reference to the conversation we have with Jack Shelby, you guys make me laugh and I'm getting useful info. Do you care to stop in East Brunswick on the way home? I can't I didn't see this till this morning. I could have I could have stopped and uh and met up with our East Brunswick fans down there in the central part of New Jersey. Then I've Rummy Avrami asked just before 1 p.m., is Parv Yapchik just potato kugel? And I think that's a pretty good question after our conversation so about Parv Yapchik. Right. So to, to, the, to Ralph, 
I mean, shouldn't Ralph have been at a doubleheader yesterday? Yeah, not just that. He may have been, but he also did tell us that he might actually show up in Lakewood and visit us, but whatever. Oh, my gosh. You know what we're going to have to do? We're going to have to show up in East Brunswick and just visit him. I would hope so. He certainly deserves yeah. it. Um, yeah, for that, sure. That's a and the Yaksha question, the yeah. Avrami question, is it's funny that you bring it up because um, because Yoni and I discussed it in the car after the show. <laughs> oh, God. And I held, it, it, I held, in other, and I in other, hold, in other words, you continued the show after the show, yeah? <laughs> yes, but it wasn't with the person I was initially having the conversation. <laughs> but Avrami should know it sparked a conversation um, in the car and I poskins that Yachuk has to be overnight. Wow. Wow. That's my sock. I think people would I think people would say that Yachuk has to have meat and therefore any potato kugel kind of, you know, dish without meat is just by definition a potato kugel. I would argue that anything that's been cooked slowly overnight makes it a Yachuk. All right, that's quite a psock and one that I'm sure people out there are going to follow. After all, you're an expert when it comes to these things. And finally, and finally, and and and, and most likely the reason that we are uh, taking a couple of minutes here to uh, to bring this issue to the fore is because um, a listener pointed out that they didn't know how we concluded yesterday morning's conversation. Did we conclude yesterday morning's conversation that there is a uh, that 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 one that either of us or both of us is allowed to post messages on social media about supporting Asia Mitsion through our you know through our respective promo codes or did we agree yesterday morning during our conversation on the air that we would both agree not to go onto social media and and share the uh, idea of supporting Asia Mitsion through our respective promo codes and I honestly do not remember and I have not gone back to the tape do you have any recollection of how we concluded the conversation yesterday? Yeah, sure. We didn't conclude anything, and I've already posted it on social media. Right. That's what prompted this whole thing. Because some, right. <laughs> because some people were under the impression that we had reached that agreement. So I assume what happened was I proposed it, and we simply never came to an agreement on it. Correct. But listeners should know that that's how most discussions between me and you <laughs> actually happen. So we discuss it. We discuss it, and we come to no conclusion. Is there any update? Do you have any information on this Friday morning about who is winning the uh, Let's Buy Golf Balls for the uh, ball drop from Azer Mitzion with the promo code Miriam and uh, Let's Buy Some Golf Balls uh, for the with the promo code Nahum? Do you have any idea who's winning this competition at this point? I can tell you firmly that at the end of the show yesterday or with about – I think about an hour after the show yesterday, you were up huh. significantly. I think by by I think by twelve golf balls, if I'm not mistaken. Wow! How has your camp reacted yeah. to this? How what what happened in the press conference on your side once this announcement was made? Well, I was a typical coach slash manager and blamed everyone but myself. <laughs> um, I concluded that my techniques and my tactics are spot on and it must be everyone else who has the problem. Wow. Yeah, we're working on it. We're uh, working on it as a team. I'm assuming this is going on all weekend that people could still log on and take care of this? I presume so because the ball drop is not until Tuesday. All right, everybody out there, you know what we're recommending? You go to emgolf.org, emgolf.org/balldrop, support Azer Mitzion. If you use promo code Miriam, you get a certain uh, percentage off, and if you use promo code Nahum, then uh, 
a guy who's been on the air for 36 years is going to be really, really happy. So you decide what you'd rather do. Would you would you support the person who poskins the optic Shilas, or would you support the person who's been there at the forefront of Jewish radio all these years? Uh, I think it's obvious. <laughs> Jews go for food. All right. We'll see. May the best person win as we continue this competition, and hopefully over the weekend uh, we'll see some um, even more positive results on Team Nahum. Amen, and may the best woman win, and I wish everyone a Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. There she is, Miriam Al-Wallach. Those of you out there who want to join the competition, it's really easy. Really easy. You go to the Azer Mitzion uh, Golf website, emgolf.org slash ball drop, emgolf.org slash ball drop. If you want a discount on the purchase of the golf balls for the ball drop, you got to put in a promo code. You could use promo code NACHUM, N-A-C-H-U-M, or you could use promo code Miriam. You decide, you choose, and we'll see who uh, turns out to be the winner. Uh, all kidding aside, Miriam was in the lead uh, at one point yesterday, and somehow, I've, I honestly have no clue how, uh, because of the way this this promo code is working, uh, but somehow we pulled ahead, and we'll see what happens, and uh, we'll certainly, I'm sure, have an update once the weekend concludes. Friday morning broadcast, it's JM in the AM as we continue. Ooh, sorry about that. It's Jonathan Seinfeld at JM in the AM. Oh, 
Yonatan Sheinfeld wrapping up the hour at America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSingle.com and the NachumSingle Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app and Golly Childs in the background, I believe. Do our news from Israel coming up. Candle lighting in New York, 648. 648 candle lighting in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Galitza in the background. News from Israel coming up next. Weekly update at 7.40 Eastern Time. Malcolm Honline is going to join us coming up. Galitza, Israel Army Radio. 2 p.m. newscast for Friday is next. Boker Tov from JMNAM. Zalnerahimla <laughs> כתב אישום הוגש נגד ארבעה נערים תושבי טבריה בני 14 עד 17 בגין תקיפתו של נער אחר בן 17 סמוך לבית ספר בעיר. כתבנו גיא ורון מוסיף שמכתב האישום עולה כי אין היכרות מוקדמת בין הנאשמים לקורבן והקיפה התרחשה לאחר ויכוח כנש... כשנפגשו באקראי. ארגון המורים הודיע כי ישבית ביום ראשון את הלימודים בתיכון באר טוביה. כתבנו לענייני חינוך דורון קדוש מוסר כי השביתה היא צעד מחאה על הפסקת עובדתו של מנהל בית הספר. לטענת ארגון המורים, מנהל התיכון פוטר באופן שרירותי וכוחני ממשרד החינוך טרם נמסרה תגובה. חצי גמר אליפות העולם בחדורסל בסין. בתום דרמה גדולה שכללה שתי הערכות, נבחרת ספרד עלתה לגמר לאחר שגברה נבחרת אוסטרליה בתוצאה 95-88. זאת תהיה ההופעה השנייה של הספרדים בגמר אליפות העולם, כשבפעם האחרונה, ב-2006, הם זכו בזהב. כתבנו אופק אלברט מעדכן שבחצי הגמר השני, שיתחיל בעוד כשעה, תתמודדנה ארגנטינה וצרפת על הכרטיס השני לגמר. ובפריז, שביתת ענק במערכת התחבורה הציבורית גורמת לפקקי תנועה בכל רחבי העיר. עשרה מתוך שישה עשר קווי הרכבת התחתית בבירת צרפת מושבתים, מה שמוביל לתורים ארוכים בתחנות האוטובוס ולאלפי בני אדם שנאלצים להתנייד באמצעים חלופיים. השביתה באה על רקע דרישת ועד עובדי הרכבת לשינוי בתנאי הפנסיה. ומזג האוויר למחר, ירידה קלה בטמפרטורות, בעיקר בהרים, בצפון הארץ ובמרכזה, ייתכן גשם קל. אלה החדשות שערך רועי ולד. Thank <laughs> you. 
Great Elul selection, Anila Dodi, that's Eitan Katz, of course, here at JM in the AM. Uh, before that, Ohad with Bishat Tova, Udi Davidi, Ki Eshmerah Shabbat, 14 minutes after 7 o'clock Friday morning, Erev Shabbos here at JM in the AM. Reminder, our on-the-road segments, our on-the-road uh, programming continues, uh, brought to you by our friends at Azer Mitzion, the world's largest Jewish bone marrow registry. Uh, Sunday, we're with Achiezer at their health fair. We'll start at 12 noon Eastern time. Make sure to be tuned in on NSN. Again, that's 12 noon Eastern time. We'll be at uh, Achiezer's uh, health fair at the TWA Hotel in uh, Terminal 5 at Kennedy Airport. So join us for that on uh, Sunday. Tuesday, we're at Sammy's, Queen Anne Road, Teaneck, New Jersey. Uh, we'll be there between 6 and 9, Tuesday morning, broadcasting from Teaneck. Make sure to stop by and say hi. Thursday of next week, we're at Gotta Get a Bagel, which is located in the five towns in Woodmere. Put it on your calendar. Stop by and say hi. So plenty of on-the-road shows, and uh, all of it brought to you, of course, by our friends at Azer Mitzion, the world's largest Jewish bone marrow registry. Purchase your golf balls for the uh, Tuesday golf ball drop. I can earn you some uh, amazing cash prizes. Uh, emgolf.org slash ball drop, emgolf.org slash ball drop, and of course use promo code Nahum, or if you're so inclined, you could use promo code Miriam. I want to thank the folks at Art Scroll. Uh, we have the brand new Variations book, Variations cookbook in our hands. Variations, simple and delicious dishes. Two Ways, by the author of the Silver Platter Cookbooks, uh, Daniela Silver. We will speak with her next week here at JMAM. It's uh, more than 120 recipes in a stunning brand new book. I mean, th this is a stunning brand new book. And um, we'll explore this as best as we can. I'm no cooking expert, but, you know, 
I'll try my best. We'll still join us on the air next week right here at JMM. Don't forget, if you use the promo code radio at artscroll.com, you get 15% off plus free shipping in the U.S. Again, use the promo code radio when you go to the uh, artscroll.com website right now to order the book Variations. It's brand new, Daniela Silver. We're going to speak to her next week. And again, if you order the book right now, 15% off and free shipping in the United States if you use the promo code radio. You, one R is sufficient. I know I said it as if there's more than one. One R is sufficient. R-A-D-I-O, radio. Um, Malcolm Holmline coming up, executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. We'll speak about the uh, news of the week and the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Um... Yeah, there is a lot of news. And there's an election in Israel on Tuesday. You aware of that? There's an election in Israel on Tuesday. Don't forget, Sunday we'll be broadcasting the Achiezer Health Fair. That happens Sunday starting at 12 noon. The fair is uh, is going on from uh, from 10 to 3 at TWA Hotel in uh, Terminal 5 at Kennedy Airport. We'll be there starting at 12 noon. Broadcasting from uh, the health fair. And um, on Tuesday, not only will we be uh, broadcasting in the morning from uh, Sammy's in Teaneck, New Jersey, but that night, Tuesday night, will be part of the big Amudim fundraising effort as they uh, hit the airwaves and... Uh, Many different outlets, many different uh, streams, and uh, and the websites in an effort to raise as much money as possible for the great work of Amudim. So we will be there at their event. I believe we kick off at 6 p.m. Tuesday night. Tzvi Gluck is going to join us coming up in the 8 o'clock hour this morning to talk about that big fundraising event and how everybody out there can get involved and support the great work of Amudim. And they certainly are responsible for great work. I think everybody agrees to that. More coming up. It's JM in the AM with Yoel Sharabi. Sukhi, Dover, 
J.M. and the A.M. Friday at Joel Sharabi, Erev Shabbos Parshas Kitetze. A big hello to our friends in the AJA carpool number 255. They've posted Shabbat Shalom on our uh, on our app, and I thank them for that. Remember, you can always comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nachum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Simple as that. Um, Avram Fried is next. Remember, he's the featured entertainer this coming Sunday night at the Bris of Rum. Weddings and dinner of Raymo at JM the AM. <laughs> 
we don't have forever Just the time he gives us Get to the top if you can This is the challenge of man Yes, you might fall and tumble down Sometimes that happens when you dare Knowing you, my child You'll pick yourself up Start again from there Keep climbing Don't let nothing stand in your way Keep believing Pay no attention to what they say Up is where you want to go You won't regret Keep believing You've got what it takes Now don't forget Up is where you belong It's where your soul Will find her song
a mountain we must climb It will only happen when we all get along Everyone waiting for wishing praying for Mashiach Let's love one another Everyone in song And break out in song 
to me there used to be a minion around but one of us passed away and we've been feeling down yet now it seems as though another Jew has been found won't you stay with us for Shabbos minion man I step off the bus in Mobile Alabama was slowly setting on the bay. It was six o'clock on a summer Friday afternoon. Shabbos was an hour away. I walked around the town wondering what to do. Shabbos is no time to be feeling blue. shop that red closed on the door there was a minion in the back of a hardware store nine men waiting for one more we ushered in the shabbos with a beautiful song had a voice that was clear and strong and So 
Shabbos was carried on a song. Whoa, I asked the man, I saw how many Jews in this town. He said to me, there used to be a million around. But one of us passed away and we've been feeling down. Yet now it seems as though another Jew has been found. Won't you stay with us for Shabbos? Schlock Rock with Minion Man, Milo Cohen at the Ahafta. You heard of Raymond Avram Fried in there with Keep Climbing. He'll be the featured entertainer this coming Sunday night at the Brits of Rum Dinner. Those of you who uh, would like to get your last minute reservations in, 908-289-0770 or Brits of Rum. Org. Our L.O. Sofer blowing is next. <laughs> Malcolm Holmline is going to join us. It is, uh, it is uh, time for the weekly update just a couple of minutes from now. If you keep it right here at JM in the AM. Invite your family and your neighbor 
Friday morning, Erev Shabbos with Eighth Day, and it's Shabbos now. Welcome to an Erev Shabbos Parshas Kitetze with candlelighting in New York at 648. Weekly update in a moment. I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com. JewishWorldReview.com, good resource to print out, oh, I don't know, hundreds, thousands of articles before Shabbos about Israel and the Jewish world. Go to JewishWorldReview.com and check them out. And we thank them for uh, encouraging their uh, listeners to become their readers, rather to become our listeners, which is much appreciated. JM and AM on a Friday. Don't forget our uh, on the road segment during the month of September is brought to you by Azer Mitzion, the world's largest bone marrow registry. If you'd like to participate in the big ball drop this coming Tuesday that we've described a million times, it seems on this on this program over the last week. Uh, go to emgolf.org slash ball drop. Again, that's emgolf.org slash ball drop. Uh, you have a choice. You could use the promo code Nahum or the promo code Miriam and uh, and save on the purchase of those golf balls. The three closest ones on Tuesday, the three closest to the, to the hole when they toss them out of the helicopter at the uh, golf tournament uh, will be the winners. Uh, the three of them will be the three winners of the split the pot from Azer Mitzion. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He joins us for what we call the weekly update here on Fridays at JM and the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM and the AM. 
Good morning to you. Good night, I am going to maintain our policy with all the news from Jerusalem, from Washington, and the entire world that we really should explore on this Friday morning. I'm going to maintain our policy that when we have incredible historic news, we're going to share it with our audience before we speak about anything else. A 7th century BCE clay seal reading belonging to Adoniyahu, the royal steward, was discovered in the city of David in Jerusalem three weeks ago by National Service volunteer Batya Ofan, who was sifting earth excavated from the foundations of the Western Wall under Robinson's Arch in 2013, meaning it was excavated back six years ago. Your reaction to this story? So this is another one of the almost daily uh, revelations of things that came out during the recent excavation season, which is ending or has ended. And this is a clay seal, but it doesn't just say, it it, it says Adaniyahu, a name that appears, I think, three times in Tanakh, but it says also the royal steward, the same term used in regard to uh, Yosef. As a, as the royal steward of of uh, uh, Paro, and the inscription is considered very unique and significant. Um, it says uh, the words Asher Al Habayit, which is uh, the, the use for the highest level minister in the royal court. So th- this was another one which I don't remember if we discussed that said Natan Melech Ebed Hamelech. Mm-hmm which was found there, and then that name, Natan Melech, is also in Malachim, in, the, in Kings 2. This is a part of an ongoing revelation of our past. Again, I, I don't know how people aren't so excited, and I try each week on another venue where we talk about uh, all these amazing uh, discoveries, and, and people should talk Friday at night at the table and talk to the kids and explain to them how important these findings are because every one of them is consistent with Tanakh, with the Bible. Every single one. And every one of them reveals our past at a time when people are trying to deny our past, that they find things in, in that go back, you know, 2,000 years three, and more, go back to the Bayes Rishon, Bayes Shani, the First and Second Temples, to which uh, only underscore our history, our claim to the land, and once you're secure in your past, you can be secure in your future. Yep, that says it all. The past is such a key to being secure in the uh, future. So check it out, everybody. The story's everywhere. It's amazing. And yes, please try to share it with your children, grandchildren, all family members uh, tonight and uh, all through Shabbos. Uh, Speaking of history, a little bit more recent, were were you there 26 years ago today on the White House lawn when the Oslo Accords were finalized? Yes, I was. Would it be fair to ask, and I'm sure, I mean, the right answer probably is that it's very complicated, but, you know, th- there are people, many in this audience, who, who feel there was no positive that came out of it. it w- would it require many, many hours of conversation between me and you to, to analyze uh, uh, what the aftermath of that day 26 years later is all about? Uh, well, it's very complicated. Um, I think, by and large, we've seen the the Palestinians have walked away from the just in the last week or so. Again, walked away from all of the commitments. Uh, Abbas said he no longer recognized the division into ABC um, 
of the uh, territories of the West Bank, uh, those areas under Israeli control, uh, undesignated, those areas under that remained under Palestinian, uh, that, that were under um, Palestinian Authority control. Um, there, you know, we've had interim moves, including the Gaza disengagement, other things. Each one of them is debatable. Right. You have to look at it in the context of what happened then and what has happened since, how what we learned from it, that the there were, I think, benefits in terms in, internationally and Israel's acceptance in the region and other things that were advanced because of it. But there are also um, many questions that, that are raised, but hindsight it's always a lot easier. Oh, no question about that. All right, what was it that uh, John Bolton and the President of the United States uh, uh, had issues with that caused his resignation? Probably just about everything. Um, this is something that uh, we sort of anticipated coming for quite a while. The reports from inside and people, and as you know, I'm very close to John Bolton, I think extremely highly of him. Uh, he's a great friend of ours, of our community of Israel. Uh, and was when he was at the UN and in other capacities. Uh, it's regrettable that uh, they, that they um, had to come to this. Uh, we'll see who, who is going to replace him. But the um, but we should all be grateful for you know his service now and in the, and in the past. The um, you know what's you funny? Know, it's clearly a difference in orientation that's more fundamental than any one specific thing. You know what's funny, and and again, you know, this is as an outsider, unlike yourself, who's more familiar with what's going on on the inside. To us, you know, to the casual observers, we thought it was a perfect match. <laughs> we thought that his policies and his politics really went well, uh, and and would uh, and and would gel well with with the current Trump administration. But I guess it just never worked out, huh? And there were differences, for instance, between Pompeo and and um, Bolton, and we saw him excluded from recent events where the National Security Advisor would normally be present. So it, it was something that emerged, and maybe it's his mustache. I don't know what, what <laughs> ended up being the... The softer policy or the softer statements regarding Iran and, and the Taliban, frankly, that, that had a lot to do with it, or that's just one little piece of the big puzzle? Yes, as I said, I think that there are specifics, specific issues, differences, but more... It seems also a border in terms of the, the orientation. Look, what the president uh, and what or people are are leaking uh, about the administration's uh, stance. On the one hand, uh, tougher sanctions, but on the other hand, sending messages that they're prepared to talk. Even though Khamenei published an open letter to Rouhani, the president of Iran, saying you can't meet, and until all the sanctions are removed, we're not meeting. Um, we see rallies about and and. Um, uh, other manifestations of, of hatred to the United States and Israel. In fact, they have five big billboards in Iraq, in Baghdad, put up by Iranian groups uh, that say death to America, death to Israel. Uh, but those are only uh, symbolic representations of what they're doing on the ground with their Shiite militia groups. Uh, they, uh, you know, they have welcomed uh, publicly um, the departure of what they call the warmongers, um, meaning Bolton, but saying, hoping that others will go as well. Yeah. And um, the statements by Soleimani and Khamenei and others, which is a little unusual. 
uh, and the, the 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 same time they're escalating their support with the Houthis against uh, Saudi Arabia against American interests. It's certainly, some of concern to Israel. We see the increased activities that Israel is trying to address with their the eight warehouses, storehouses that they have hit, and including in Iraq, uh, that they are are shifting. Uh, the storage places for weapons for uh, development of some of the missiles, etc., that were being hit in Syria, they moved them to Iraq, and Israel has shown that they have a capacity to to do stuff there uh, as well. So the uh, Iran has shown really no sign; they're not cooperating with the International Atomic Energy Agency on the um, the place that was identified by Israel. They blame the U.S. and Israel, saying this is a plot, rather than addressing the fact that. Um, that enriched uranium was, uh, particles were found on the site, and um, and there are more undeclared sites that that we have yet to to find or to know about. You know, so yeah, sorry. sorry. And, and and plus the uh, the the new Iranian nuclear site that Israel discovered. That's what I'm talking right. about. That's the, the site. That, but it's but, but it's only one. Right. And remember, you know, the material that uncovered a lot more stuff that we haven't. Uh, necessary that it hasn't been pursued, and there, there are additional sites that are uh, considered potentially very dangerous. Um, I don't know if you had a chance to read the the New York Times Magazine story about the potential strike on Iran, uh, which, by the way, really did, assuming it's a reliable article, really did show us who in the Obama administration had Israel's back and who didn't. Uh, but that's, I guess, for another discussion. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know, based on that article... I don't know if the Donald Trump of today would would cancel would, would make an attempt to cancel the deal with Iran. Like I, I don't know. It's it, it seems like there was a a uh, an accelerated enthusiasm a year and a half ago or at the beginning of his administration to really you know eliminate the deal. I don't know today the way he's dealing or, or proposing the meetings with the head of Iran, possible negotiations with the Taliban, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know if he is in the same mindset that if he was asked today to aggressively pursue the cancellation of that deal, that he would. Do you agree with that? Well, we have to look at what they're doing. And, in fact, the sanctions have been increased and continue to be increased. There were more applied to individuals, to leaders over the last week, um, which are, are very effective uh, in uh, deterring people. We know that uh, the internal situation is deteriorated uh, greatly, that uh, – they, they've sustained the pressure uh, on an ongoing basis, and I think credit people in the Treasury Department and elsewhere who have uh, worked on, on the sanctions continue it. Um, Pompeo said that they're ready for talks without precondition. Well, there should be preconditions to talks, and, and the question really is how these actions are perceived, and I think that's often something that Americans, American leaders don't, um, really consider that people in Iran that we hear from, dissidents and others, you know, are very concerned about this because they see it as a flashback to a previous period. Do they see America just uh, selling out the, the interest to get the talks going? Uh, and then there's no real, in my mind, hope for any talks because the, the fundamentals are so uh, disparate and so uh, great. And you see it in the negotiations between Iran and the Europeans that they can't get anywhere on anything. We have them now on the ropes. Europeans can promise all sorts of assistance. They can't deliver. It's only what the United States does. And and the um, 
in anything that undermines both the opposition and or diminishes it, and they believe that there isn't hope and that they don't feel support, we have to always reinforce it. Um, and I think that, that you know, and they took great strength from the, the sanctions and, and encouragement that the U.S. Uh, and the U.S. is still standing up to them in the Gulf and other areas. Um, but as I said, my concern primarily is the perception that is being created. Does it make the Europeans uh, back off of taking uh, a harder stand than they have in the negotiations if they believe the United States coming in, talking of the $15 billion aid package? I cannot see how that would happen, but there is talk about it. Hmm. Uh, you think he's uh, serious about Taliban negotiations? I mean, I think he was. I don't think he is because uh, of what they did, and he rightfully canceled it, but it was a surprise for everybody, I think, that it was going to take place. And there were a lot of Republican senators who have come out against it. And um, and he's seeking yeah. re-election, and, and his base, you know, we, we're, we've always been under the impression that his base is really hawkish, and his base would prefer if these types of statements aren't being made, but I don't know, maybe maybe he's not taking direction from anybody who's assigned to help with his re-election campaign. And also knows that if he is able to, to pull off uh, something where Iran would meet the conditions, meaning that they roll back um, their support for terrorist organizations and all the other things that they're doing, including the nuclear program and full um, clarity and remember they're under tremendous pressure from inside their economy is in free fall and the uh, so they have every reason to to want to make a deal to try to change their current uh, circumstances and and the US ambassador to the IEA International Atomic Energy Agency really gave a very strong statement about Iran's history of deception and we have to ensure their activities um, um, don't continue to distract the IEA, and um, but at the same time, to to um, say that we're open to negotiations, but they're saying that they want to resolve the issues, and I think the president believes that you know he is a super negotiator or whatever, and maybe views that not as a as a means to capitulate, but that it would be a way to show that that we went the extra step, and you see what we're dealing with. Is the U.S. committed to sending troops to northeast Syria? Uh, yes, about 150 troops, I think, are involved in that decision. Uh, what do you make of this story that Israel is being accused of leaving surveillance equipment at the White House? This is so outrageous but indicative of a much broader problem that here was a report, and those who were up yesterday morning would have heard the breathless reports on NPR and many other media outlets, uh, taking a political story, political publication, um, where they said that they had three unnamed former administration members, don't say which administration, that confirmed that devices found near the White House were, uh, were planted essentially by Israel. It is false. It is ludicrous. It is a, a libel. And now you saw that the president said he didn't believe it. Other people have come out and debunked the story. Netanyahu immediately called it an outrageous lie. But the rush of the media to buy it and to repeat it and to, without verifying the names, without finding out from, from officials, look, are there 
former members of the CIA, FBI, who have proven in the past to have anti-Semitic, anti-Israel tendencies? Yes. So could they be a source for something? Yes. Is there any evidence that this is true? No. And it's, it is just, to me, reconfirmation of the concerns that we've discussed about the media, about the mood today. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. The New York Times deleted a tweet that had said airplanes took aim at the Twin Towers of New York City's World Trade Center. It was a widely criticized headline, I guess. <laughs> I, 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 I guess I can imagine what you thought of what the Times did with that tweet. Yeah, um, but I'm no longer shocked by any of it. It's just the pattern is so big and, and consistent, and the the headlines, the the, the distortions, uh, and it's not just the New York Times, but the New York Times gets is the newspaper quote of record, though I'm not sure what that record is. And the the uh, I heard on um, the PRX and PR over the, over the last few days report one about a mushroom grower in the West Bank and a. a a long story about how his fertilizer was held up. Well, that fertilizer is used for, for um, explosives was, was probably the reason it was held up. Uh, eventually he, he got, got it. Then he did it through some, an Israeli Arab living in, in Israel, and he you know, got the fertilizer and then gave it to him. But there were reasons for it. It, it tells you, if you listen carefully, the other side of the story about what that there, the progress, the opportunities, but the constant condemnation and the portrayal of Israel, the, the story about a movie in Gaza, it, just unbelievable to see the, the a complete one-sided uh, distortions about these young people who are going to the border, peacefully demonstrating the great march of return, when everything has been debunked, they, oh, Hamas officials themselves have said it. They said it was never a march of return. It was never meant to. It was meant to be a war. It was meant to, you know, create violence, etc. And they put their young people up. They say, you know, that they're unarmed when they when the snipers are standing behind them and use the, them as human shields. I mean, nothing. And so there's no veracity. There's no standard of truth anymore. So when you see a headline, it's it's no longer impactful. You would have been outraged in old days, you would say, you know, and now when you have opportunities to verify quickly whether something is true, and you see it, you, you have to believe it's deliberate. Yeah. Uh, there's an election in Israel this week. It's really? Yeah, it's happening on Tuesday, and um, we we all, I think it's safe to say that most observers have been getting this feeling over the last 10 days that, in fact, the polls would show could with some type of margin, right, as opposed to a tie, some type of margin over blue and white. Now, according to what I saw in Hamodia this morning, there's an article that says uh, if the election was today, could would have 36, blue and white would have 32. Now, I know what you always tell us, that you have no clue until Tuesday night what the reality is, and I understand that. But till this point, let's assume for a moment that these that this is an accurate poll, uh, to this point, you have to admire the prime minister because I thought it was the greatest risk to go to a second election. I thought it would cause many people, because of the uh, you know discontent with the whole system, to 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 leave him 
and to abandon him at this point, and just the opposite has happened. I think some people, and by the way, I, I met some Israelis this week who were visiting the United States, same thing. They're always voting for the smaller parties, whether it be politically smaller or religiously smaller parties, and this time around they're voting for Bibi. So era of the election, I know again we won't know for sure till Tuesday night, but era of the election, you have to be impressed with the way he's handled this. So number one, I don't think you'll know anything Tuesday night. <laughs> <laughs> I think you may not know anything Wednesday night. Hmm. I think that this will will take uh, longer unless there's some dramatic shift. I think things to watch for are the turnout, who turns out, and the numbers. I think people are sick and tired of this election and the fact that you had a second round in six months and uh, all of the scandals and every day the, the reports of different things, how he, he sustained support at all. Given the onslaught of, of criticisms, uh, Mr. Adelson and Ms. Adelson's comments most recently, but others uh, who are close to him and the, the constant uh, harping his visit with uh, Putin or his visit to um, Boris Johnson, you know, he shows himself to be the world leader. I think the other candidates across the board really haven't made much of a showing, certainly not one that would reflect abroad in, in a significant way, but I hear it from the people in Israel as well, that the um, that I think it could be inconclusive again. I think that the numbers you cited are, are um, disputed by other polls, right. um, which range from blue and white being ahead to, to by two, three, four, to others that show that uh, or, um, they could ahead by the same numbers. Uh, so it's a big variance. question is how many people will Lieberman get, will uh, Otsma get, what will the right to do, will, they, will he successfully uh, win over those voters saying that it's only if you vote freely could so that they can get the numbers necessary. Um, the so religious parties seem to be stable in the numbers in the polls uh, for some time. So it's a difference of one, two, three seats. That's it. And and a shift of that kind uh, could be decisive. And one of the options is that you end up with a unity government. Right. It could be a unity government without BB, with Gans splitting blue and white and joining uh, Likud, maybe with the religious parties, maybe not. Um, so there are a lot of different potential uh, outcomes, but I think it'll be well into Wednesday before we really know. You'll see the exit polls, and uh, you know. But Israelis are notorious for telling the truth to pollsters and lying at the polls. Yeah. That, that they never seems to match up exactly, and especially when you're dealing with such a thin margin. Well, five minutes ago, I thought there'd be a right religious block. Now, now I'm a little bit more, <laughs> a little bit more skeptical. But I mean, if in fact, you know, if in fact the if, in fact, that block does not work out, if there won't be 61 seats between the right and religious, it's going to be another stalemate. And I guess, right. as, as you just described, a stalemate in this case is much worse for BB than the stalemate earlier in the year. Yes, and given that he faces, you know, a lot of legal challenges coming up, right. and if there, you know, there could be a, a lot of different... Um, formulations coming out of it, it would be, if if he would step down, then you'd have an internal fight within Likud also over who would succeed. But, you know, there are a lot of potential candidates to, to take over. And, but, you know, the truth is that nobody has the experience of Netanyahu. He's been there. The situation has been described as stable, and um, the economy has been strong. Everybody recognizes the, the security challenges are great. 
So it, it'll be ten. Will people go for stability, for more of the same? For have they been inspired by somebody else? Which doesn't appear from perspective of sitting here uh, has been the case. It's funny. The few people I speak to who have always gone to smaller parties, again whether political or religious, they're all they're all telling me that this time around they're going to vote for. Yes, him. I think that message in Netanyahu has been successful in in getting out, but. Um, you know, I but many people who who told me that they voted for Likud last time indicated that they're not voting that way, mm. and, and it depends on the youth vote. The last time, a lot of the young people voted whose parents did not vote Likud voted for Likud. Mm. Um, again, it's anecdotal, but it's mm. not, but it's it pretty representative, I think. Uh, I'm not sure this time. So again, you have to look at the turnout. How many seats Lieberman gets? people at the last minute switch back and say we're going to support Lee could he could end up surprising everybody and come in with a bigger number and look what he's been doing the prime minister recently visited Hebron he's annexing the Jordan Valley he's uh, you know saying all the right things he, to... he did not annex the Jordan well Valley he's, he's talking some... about a promise to do it you know during his next no ministry. but can I, I just want to say that people again because the words here are very important the headlines all said that he was going to annex it. He never used the word in his statement. Mm. He talked about applying sovereignty. It's not really as dramatic an announcement um, because everybody agrees that the settlement blocks are going to remain across the board, in the international community, everybody, and that there will be a land swap. Uh, Israeli law applies there. So he, really what they're talking about is applying sovereignty Israeli sovereignty, i.e. Israeli law, legal system stuff, which which applies already. The, he introduced the issue of the Jordan Valley, which people should go and look at a map. Yigal Alon, um, um, when he came up with the Alon plan, he was the deputy prime minister after the Six-Day War, um, the Alon plan, which was accepted by Rabin and everyone, and uh, they all said the West Bank has to stay. All the parties that I know have said the West, the, not the West Bank, the um, the Jordan Valley has to stay with Israel no matter what, because it was at first seen as the buffer against Saddam Hussein and Iraq crossing from Jordan, as they did during the Six-Day War, and, and hitting Israel from, from that side. And now it's Iran that is in Iraq and would love to penetrate and, and come across and have Israel from Gaza from again, with Hamas, with Hezbollah against them from Lebanon and Syria, and then from uh, the, uh, the East Bank as well. Uh, so that, that is a, a consensus issue, I think, for much of the uh, most all the political um, uh, parties. Of course, the condemnations uh, reigned in from a lot of Arab countries and others. What did the U.S. say, by the way? Um, no, the United States did not. Uh, I don't think that they criticized um, um, the, the action, but it, it, Netanyahu said that he had cleared it and that it was consistent with the plan that will be announced. Um, nobody knows because we haven't seen it, but he obviously has some idea of what's in it. Uh, so, again, but the, the people use the word annexation in the media because it has real implications. It's as if they're going in there, grabbing the land, and taking it away. Right. That is not um, what what was uh, what the prime minister said, and it is not as dramatic a change or whatever. And it, clearly, it was done in the context of you know the political campaign and meant to send a message, uh, not only to the people who live in the uh, Jordan Valley, which is not that big a number, but to the 
they're their supporters. Uh, he made sure to mention this week that war in Gaza is inevitable. He uh, he was in Ashkelon and a red alert sounded. I'm not suggesting that that was orchestrated, but but if you were writing a script for the security prime it minister, it hurt him. Uh, you think so? His image was damaged badly. The idea that uh, while he's giving this publicized and covered uh, visit and media covered, you know, the security guards came in, whisk him off, show him going into the. Um, into you know having to go into a cellar for a few minutes and then going back and continuing the speech, it, it did not benefit him. Mm, interesting. Uh, the statements he made when he got back on stage, I thought were pretty effective. He, he yes, but the, it, it you know imagery today right. is yeah, everything. Um, we were. We were under the impression that once Jason Greenblatt announced his resignation, um, not just under the impression, I think that there was actually a story this week that the day after the election, the peace plan would be uh, revealed. Um, Now it seems that that might be delayed, right? Well, I don't know if it'll be the day after. Um, first, because we don't know what the outcome of the election will have been yet. Right. I think I, think I really, I think I really did read somewhere that was a day. Down, but yeah. some period shortly after the elections, we're likely to see it. And he may stick around now, he's indicating. Until... Rem- I'm sorry, and remember that you have the U.N. session coming up uh, with a lot of the leaders, including Netanyahu, talking of coming for a day. Uh, but I guess that will be impacted by the outcome of the election. Um uh, I'm sorry, what did you say? Just... Is that Rosh Hashanah week or not? Is that, or is that... No, no, week before. This time, thank God we were spared. Yeah. We have many meetings with heads of state uh, this year because last year we only had two days. This year we have the whole week. So we have uh, many meetings set up with uh, visiting um, presidents and foreign ministers and heads of state of all kinds. Um, so it's a very valuable, important week for us in terms of advancing the issues and uh, meeting and getting firsthand information uh, uh, indications of where uh, where the players stand on this and the issues. Will his appearance or the possibility of him uh, speaking to the General Assembly depend on what happens in the election? I think so. I think if it's undecided that that and he needs to be there to negotiate. But I think he wants to come. I think he wants the platform. Um, otherwise, it would be the Foreign Minister Katz who would come, uh, which would relegate Israel's presence to a uh, to much lesser status. Uh, because first prime ministers, presidents, et cetera, speak. And also he has used that platform very effectively in years past. If you remember the bomb oh, yeah. and the roadrunner oh. and all the other things that uh, uh, he has done there using uh, you know, cartoons or other Props. demonstrative aids. Or Derek Jeter references. Or Derek Jeter references, which he would use once. I don't know if you remember that. No. <laughs> yeah, he actually did. <laughs> if you search Derek Jeter in his speech at the U.N., you'll see a uh, a reference that he made. Um, th- does the president of Israel know what he's in for in the aftermath of Tuesday? <laughs> like, it's not going to be easy, this whole procedure after the election's over. Well, he celebrated his 80th birthday this week, so right. everybody can say he wish him a happy birthday. But, uh, I mean, I think he knows, you know, his relationship with Netanyahu is not good. Yeah. Uh, I think he wouldn't be unhappy if it isn't him. But you know he's bound by uh, by the, what the parties say, and uh, the labor bloc um, said that they would urge blue and white be consulted first. You know they have to be able to present whether the president has to go to every party and they ask who would you support, and if he sees who has the best chance of getting to 61, that's the party. Even if they don't have the most seats, they have, that's the party they have to go to. You know, it's funny as as we you know as, as we're talking, I'm perusing 
about 10 different news sources on the Jordan Valley thing, just out of curiosity. All of them have the word annexation yeah, in their exactly. headline. All of them. And go and look at his statement, and you see he does not use the term. And, you know, what's really interesting is that there were other stories which get zero coverage. One about the Arabs in high-tech, Israeli Arabs, has gone up 20 times in the in the past 10 years, meaning that there were like 350 men in, in high-tech. Now there are six, almost 7,000 men and women. 700 Arab engineers are added every year to Israeli high-tech, and a quarter of them are, are, are women. That you don't see that the Palestinians in Lebanon are demonstrating against the EU, Canada, against the PA, because they say, you know, look at all the other refugees in the world are given a chance to, to be resettled, because they're, they're taken care of by the UN High Commissioner on Refugees, and they settle tens of thousands of people every year in third countries, etc. The Palestinians are handled by UNRWA, which is one of the most corrupt agencies anywhere, and as you know, and not one person has been resettled in 70 years, because they keep them as political pawns. And these people are saying, and you know, when, when the, the Palestinians in Syria were under siege in the camps, and, uh, and Abbas said they can't come here. They wanted to bring them to the West Bank, and Israel gave permission for them to go to the PA areas. And he said, no, the right of return is only to Israel. And yet this, you know, the positive stories, what, what is happening, gets no message. You know, that the middle class in, in, in Gaza is, are, are leaving, doctors, others, because they can't live under the regime. And, and, they, and they tell the truth about, you know, what's really uh, happening there. Are they able to leave? A number, 300, I think, a month, but about 30,000 leave during the summer to go abroad, and many of them just don't return. Right. Yeah, I hear that. And at the same time, Israel just retained its A-plus rating from Fitch and uh, and said that Israel has an annual surplus every year since 2003. And, uh, and I saw the exports were up, I think, 3% in the first half of the year which is remarkable. It's about $55 billion, maybe a little bit more. If there's a new prime minister, is there any reason to believe that Israel cannot maintain this incredible diplomatic stature that it has right now and uh, be still the attractive uh, uh, both uh, financial investment area and high-tech area? Is there any reason to believe that, that, that other, other Israeli leaders cannot maintain what Netanyahu has overseen? Well, you have to credit him when he was Minister of Finance for laying some of the groundwork, uh, and there's two different issues. On the high-tech, the infrastructure is there for it to continue. It needs a climate that's conducive to it that and leadership that uh, understands the needs of the companies and how we attract more support. Um, but I think that most are committed to it. The um, In terms of international stature, no, because the people who don't have the contacts and the ties, it takes time to develop, develop a relationship of confidence. Um, I think that President Trump would, would, um, you know, of course, will sustain the the relationship, but he feels, I think, very close. And I know that people have told me that uh, there's concern in the White House about the outcome. It will not affect the U.S.-Israel relationship overall, which is solid and secure and you know, whoever the leader is, that will be the person who will deal with the president and with the Congress. Um, you know, there are many, unfortunately, in Congress uh, on the extremes who, who would like to see Netanyahu out um, and, uh, you know, would take glee in that. But uh, overall, the U.S. Israel relationship is not built on individuals. It's built on fundamentals, con- uh, joint interests, concerns, etc. And let's hope that continues. Thank you very much, Malcolm. Have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll yeah, speak again job. next week. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents. 
of major American Jewish organizations, joins us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudit, Rabbi Emeritus, Congregation Shomrei Torah, Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Kiseitze. Parshas Kiseitze has a distinction of having the most mitzvos of any parsha in the Torah. According to the Chinuch, there are 74. I'd like to focus on one that at first glance is not relevant to most individuals, but upon deeper reflection and examination is truly most pertinent. The Torah teaches at the uh, towards hmm, the beginning of the parsha in Perek Chaf Beis Pasuk Yud twenty two ten Lo Sacharosh Beshor Vechamor Yachdov. You are not to plow with an ox and a donkey. Rashi, quoting the Sifri, provides the background of this pasuk and tells us that it includes coupling together of any two different species, one kosher and the other not, and for any kind of work, not just harisha, which is plowing. Now, the Torah does not provide a reason for this prohibition. The Sefer Achinuch, who counts this as Mitzvah 550, gives two reasons. Firstly, he brings his Rebbe the Rambam, who, by the way, he never saw. He lived a few hundred years after the Rambam, but he follows the Rambam's count as to what is and what is not part of the 613. The Rambam sees this prohibition of not having a ox and a donkey plowed together. This stems from the prohibition found in the book of Vayikra, in chapter 19, Pasuk 19, the prohibition of mating one animal with another species. And therefore, the Rambam is concerned having these animals work together in close proximity could lead to their mating. Now, interesting, the Ibn Ezra notes that working the ox and the donkey together would be a violation of Tsar Bale Chaim, inflicting pain to the animal. The donkey, who is the weaker of the two, cannot pull the load as well as the stronger ox. And therefore, it's going to be hard for the donkey physically. Now, in addition, the Tasakinami Bali Tosvo suggest that the Torah is concerned about the feelings and sensitivities of the donkey. After all, both animals will be given their appropriate portions of food. The ox, however, being a kosher animal and chooses cud, when the donkey hears the additional activity happening in the ox's stomach, the donkey will believe that the ox has been given more food and will be psychologically distressed. 
amazing. The Sefer HaChinuch therefore maintains that as a logical extension of this mitzvah is included the prohibition of being insensitive to the feelings of the next individual. And he offers the following example. If a welcoming committee is being organized, let's say for a Beis HaKnesses, then do not intentionally pair together two individuals of different nature, such as an extrovert who finds greeting people most easy and comfortable, and an introvert who has great difficulty because the introvert is going to feel deficient and incapable in this endeavor. So to the Chinuch, this mitzvah is not to be considered among those that Hashem gave to the Jewish people, such as the prohibition of blood, as found a few weeks ago in Dvarim, chapter 12, Pesach 23. And look at the Rashi there to provide the Jew with many mitzvos that he fulfills daily, such as not drinking blood, to provide us with greater merit. No, this mitzvah, says the Chinuch, is most relevant to all and at all times. Now, it's exciting to note that sensitivity to others is built in or serves as the reason for many mitzvos and practices. To begin with, we find in this parsha the Torah legislates the laws of shikha, meaning that if a farmer forgets a sheaf of grain or forgotten fruit of trees, they are to leave it in the field for the poor and not go back and retrieve them. This law accompanies that of leket, which is the gleanings that fall during the harvest, one or two ears, and peah, which is the edge of the field that must be left unharvested for the poor. The common denominator to these agricultural mitzvos is that the Torah is teaching that these parts of the field are not yours. They belong to the poor. However, rather than they're the poor coming and knocking on your door and you handing them the grain, here they work for it themselves. And this affords them dignity. This affords them the wonderful feeling of satisfaction of enjoying the fruits of their labor. This is incredible sensitivity for the poor. A second example is the law coming from Shmos, chapter 22, Pesach 24. When a Jew lends money to another Jew, he may not act towards him, says the Torah, as a creditor. What does that mean? It's clear that the borrower owes, yet the Torah is saying not to act aggressively to get your money. The Talmud Bar Mitziah 75b understands this verse to mean that if Shabbos is a nice day and the lender would like to take a walk, the halacha says he can do so on any street in the neighborhood except that of the borrower. The reason for this is the borrower is going to be sitting outside on this nice Shabbos and he's going to see, ay, 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 
the lender walking by. And he's going to say, aha, the reason the lender is passing by his house is to remind him of the loan and my obligation to pay him back. And he, the lender, would thus violate not to act towards him as an oppressor. I want you to feel so proud for being a Jew that we have laws of such incredible sensitivity. A third example of sensitivity is found in the Shulchan Aruch Orachayim 124, which is the laws of the Chazorah Sashats, the repetition of the Shemona Esrei. We are taught that Anshei Knesses HaGedola, the men of the Great Assembly, enacted that after the Tzibur, the congregation, completes their private recitation of the Shemona Esrei, the Chazan is to repeat the entire prayer, 19 blessings. The reason for this, as explained at the end of the Gemara Rosh Hashanah, is to recite the bracha, or the, the Chazaras Hashats, on behalf of the unlearned individuals who don't know how to formulate the Amidah, and therefore they now fulfill their obligation by listening to the tefillah, to the prayer of the Chazan. Now I'd like to ask a basic question. Why do we repeat the Shemona Esrei at all times? Why not look around the shul or make an announcement? Is there anyone here who's in need of the repetition? Please raise your hand. But we don't do this. We do recite 19 blessings. Why? Lest somebody will be embarrassed and publicly humiliated. We demonstrate sensitivity by reciting the repetition of the Shmona Esrei. Another example found from Tanakh. We're taught in the first chapter in the first book of Shmuel, the Torah that's read on the first day of Rosh Hashanah, please God, that Penina, Chana's co-wife, angered her repeatedly. Now what does that mean? Rabbi Levi in the Gemara Baba Basra 16a teaches that Penina's motives were pure and sincere. Chana had no children. Penina had many. And what would Penina do? She would constantly speak of her children in Chana's presence which was extremely insensitive. I'm taking my children for shoes. I'm taking my children to the pediatrician. Despite the purity of her motives, which was to encourage Chana to pray for children, we're taught that Penina was punished for her insensitivity. This is a most pertinent lesson, how careful we are to speak of our families in front of others who might not be as equally blessed. As mentioned above, the essence of this mitzvah is applicable at all times, all circumstances, especially now that school has begun in a school setting where there are stronger or weaker students, how a teacher will answer a student and certainly, God forbid, never embarrass or humiliate. Another example is that of the mitzvah of Tzedakah. The Rambam in Hilchos Matanos Aniyim, in his last chapter, chapter 10, 
Halacha 7 lists eight levels of fulfilling the mitzvah of tzedakah. The highest level is that of Hechazak as found in Vayikra 2535, which means literally to take hold of the needy individual, give him a job, give him a dependence and dignity, to remove him from the category of being a taker to the potential of becoming a giver. Note, however, that each level above the next is affording greater sensitivity to the needy recipient. It's not only the giving, but how the giving is done. If it's accompanied by words of encouragement and endearment, the same act of charity explains the Gemara in Bava Basra 9b, becomes significantly upgraded. Note, my friends, that our practice of having a Baal Kore, that when someone is called up for an Aliyah, especially in the Ashkenazic community, even though they're capable themselves of reading from the Torah, they don't. We have a reader about Kore for all, not to embarrass the one who doesn't know how to read from the Torah. Again, great sensitivity. I'd like to note how very relevant this mitzvah is, especially now as we rapidly approach Rosh Hashanah. The Gemara in Rosh Hashanah 16a teaches that our reciting on Rosh Hashanah verses of Malchios, kingship, is in order for us to accept his sovereignty upon ourselves. Now the Sifri in Parshas Vezos Bracha, on the verse in chapter 33, verse 5, in Melech, the king in Israel, when Bisasef Roshayam, when we are united, Yachad, Shivte Yisrael, when we're united as a people, the more glorified Hashem is the more he has established this king and commensurate with the unification of his subjects in their acceptance and allegiance to him, the more we are together, the greater the extent of his kingship. Thus, the prerequisite for coronating Hashem on Rosh Hashanah one of the primary reasons for blowing the chauffeur is to assure him that we are all united as a people. The Rambam in the second chapter of Hilcho's chauffeur says, why a chauffeur? Beautifully he says, shapru ma'asechem, improve your actions, be sensitive one for another. And thus, it behooves us to implement as found in Vayikra, chapter 19, plus 18, and not to plow with the ox and donkey, which now you know what that means. We are to show greater sensitivity to one another, thereby assuring for us a warmer reception from Avinu, Malkinu, our father, our king. A tall order but we can do it. There's not that much time left for Rosh Hashanah. What's your homework? 
be extra sensitive to the next one's feelings. After all, the Torah says, don't plow with an ox and donkey together. Shabbat Shalom to all.
J.M. in the A.M. That's uh, Uri Davidi here on a Friday morning. Erev Shabbos Parshas Kitetze with candle lighting at 648 here in the New York area. Thanks for tuning in from around the world. Those of you who want to comment on the app, go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Well, pillar to pillar, Amu Dim's life-saving campaign is taking place this coming Tuesday night. Many of you are familiar with Amu Dim. There are a lot of people listening right now who are familiar with the incredible life-saving work that they do. Their upcoming Amudim fundraiser is this coming Tuesday starting at 6.30 p.m. It's happening in Brooklyn, New York. I am honored to be uh, hosting their live stream. There will be plenty of great entertainment. Ali Schwabel's there. Yoni Z is there. Uh, Charlie Harari scheduled to be there uh, among a lot of great guests and speakers, etc. We hope to get all of them on the air. Uh, Judd's Memphis. You know how great Judd's Memphis barbecue is. They're going to be part of it with uh, great drinks and food. Um, all donations are going to be quadrupled. They have a lot of great matchers, and every donation is going to be quadrupled. Pillar2Pillar.com is the website. Pillar2Pillar.com. The founder, of course, of Amudim is Tzvi Gluck, who's with us live via telephone. Tzvi, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, and thank you for uh, having us again. A pleasure. Uh, how do we communicate... To this worldwide audience, how important this fundraising event is this coming Tuesday? Um, I mean, I think it's just very simple. This is about us at Amudim being able to continue to change and the lives of literally thousands of people, and it's all around the world. And, you know, this is the once a year where we go out actually asking for money to help us continue doing the work. The expenses are enormous. And, you know, while we do try to raise money very often during the year, um, specifically, you know, for like cases and emergencies, this is, you know, the actual time that we reach out to everybody and say, we need your help so we can continue doing what we do. Now, this uh, entire program, I, I said it's uh, 630 on Tuesday. It's going to be carried by a lot of uh, websites. There'll be a tremendous amount of uh, of emails and reminders going through uh, uh, people's uh, 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 social media and regular email uh, throughout the day on Tuesday, reminding everybody to give. And and the best news of all in terms of the fundraising pitch is that, thank God, Amudim has such a strong backbone of support that every time anybody gives anything during your Tuesday fundraiser, it's going to be quadrupled. And that's an, a, a unique opportunity to really make the most out of a donation. And I hope that will encourage a lot of people out there to give as much as possible. 
Um, yes, I agree. Actually, the, the fundraiser itself <clears throat> is going live at 11 a.m. That means starting at 11 o'clock in the morning, people can donate and all the donations will be quadrupled. And uh, at 6 o'clock, we're going to be starting an event, which we would love people to come join us. Um, there's no cover charge. They can come join and be a part of the festivities with food and entertainment. Um, and I'll tell you a little secret. If anybody goes to the website now already and they want to pre-donate, um, it will be counted as well. Um, so we're not going to uh, turn anybody's uh, donations away. So, so if people can join us in person on Tuesday night, it would also be a tremendous, amazing show of support. All right, so we can already announce uh, today uh, that if someone goes to Pillar2Pillar.com, Pillar2Pillar.com, uh, they can already donate, have their... Uh, have their donation quadrupled. This event, by the way, the Amudim fundraiser that you heard Svi just mentioned, starts at 6, p- uh, 6 p.m. on Tuesday night. It's at the Atrium uh, by Bond Collective at 14 Park Street in Brooklyn, New York. The live stream will be there. There'll be entertainment. Judd's Memphis, as we said, will be taking care of a delicious menu, and it's all happening there in Brooklyn, New York on Tuesday night. However, starting now, officially 11 a.m. on Tuesday, but even now you can go to pillar2pillar.com and give, donate, and uh, and have that donation quadrupled. Svi Glock, uh, m- many, and this is not a criticism, it's an observation, many, for their own causes, use the phrase life-saving. And in many cases, for good reason. Sometimes speaking of physical life, sometimes speaking of spiritual life. Why is the term life-saving so appropriate when one raises money for Amudim? Because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, when we're dealing with people in their worst crisis, there's two types of death. There's people that die physically, and then there's people that die, but they're living dead. You know, Revelia Brudney, <coughs> excuse me, and Revelia Elephant have both given interviews about this, where they, they themselves have mentioned that this is Dine Nefashais Diairaisa. This is coming from them. This is where we transform the lives of people who otherwise have no meaning, feeling for life, and very often, Rahman al-Atlan, um, whether it's with overdoses or whether it's for other causes, so there is the physical death, there is the emotional death, there is the spiritual death, and our goal at Amudim is to uplift everybody and to be the pillars of support for them so they can become pillars for themselves. And I have to say that Baruch Hashem, it is so amazing when we get to hear the good stories and the positive and how many people we've helped and i was just you know recently at a chasana and with my wife and the chasana walked up to my wife not to me and said (laughs) i just i want to thank you because because of you i'm alive today and my wife says why me she goes well obviously the chasana said well if not for you your husband wouldn't have the ability to be able to do what he does with amudim yeah. And Amudim is the reason why I'm clean and alive and I'm now getting married. So it is, it is not just life and death in the physical sense, but it is truly giving people a real opportunity to live. Can I have time for a short story? Go right ahead. So we put out a video a few years ago called Happy Birthday, Dad, which depicted an image of a f- person celebrating his 40th birthday, but was empty inside from abuse that he had suffered when he was a kid. A few months ago, I received a very, very heartwarming voice note from somebody that said, I'm celebrating my 40th birthday tonight, and I owe it to you, because when I saw that video two years ago, I cried for three days, 
because I thought that that was just the life and that there was no hope. But I then realized that it was <clears throat> the damage that was done by very bad people 28 and a half years ago that caused me this pain and aggravation. And since then, I've gotten therapy. And Baruch Hashem, I'm now celebrating my 40th birthday with my wife and children in a whole new format. This is something where just our awareness video alone has been able to transform and change the life of somebody who otherwise would have never gotten the help he needed. Pretty amazing. All day Tuesday, everybody around the world, if you're at all connected with anything, you will be informed and reminded to give as generously as possible to the Amudim campaign. Uh, it wraps up on Tuesday night with this unique event in Brooklyn, New York, um, uh, where we will uh, will be uh, streaming live, and plenty of websites and email services and WhatsApp groups are going to be spreading the word all through the day that every donation that you make uh, to Amudim, uh, really now, as Tzvi said, but but certainly on Tuesday, will be quadrupled. And we'll remind you here as well. Amudim, I remind you, has serviced people in over 21 countries. These, these are stats that I'm sure we'll discuss a lot Tuesday. 23 states, 147 cities in the United States, and 22 regions of Israel. It is amazing how they have spread out this far and saved people literally around the world. Uh, Tzvi, we are looking forward to participating with you next week. I hope that our listeners and that everybody around the world will participate in some way, shape, or form between now and the end of the campaign on Tuesday night, and that this is a great success for Amudim going forward. And I like to end off with the same bracha, that I wait for the day that we can close our doors due to lack of need, yep. not because of lack of funding. Yep, 100%. We look forward to that day, trust me. Have uh, a great Shabbos, and really, Tiskel Amitzis, everything you do. Appreciate that. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Rest up. Big week coming up, especially the early part of the week with the big Amudim fundraiser. And we'll remind everybody here, of course, about what's happening on Tuesday. It is a Friday morning broadcast at JM and the AM, candlelighting 648 in New York on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Kitetze. By the way, speaking of giving, I'll tell you there's so many things we're following here at the same time. I remind you that our friends at Azer Mitzia on the world's largest bone marrow registry, Jewish bone marrow registry, uh, they've sponsored and continue to sponsor our September on the road. It was great being in Lakewood yesterday during the day. Shout out to Louis Fullman and all of our special guests, including uh, Menasha Miller and everybody who joined us down in Lakewood. Um, but I do remind you that um, that Azer Mitzion is sponsoring our entire month on the road. This Sunday, we will be at the TWA Hotel with our friends at Achiezer. That starts at 12 noon. Make sure to be tuned in starting at 12 noon. Uh, Tuesday morning, we'll be at Sammy's Queen Anne Road in Teaneck, New Jersey. Tuesday morning, JM and the AM between 6 and 9. Thursday morning, JM and the AM from Gotta Get a Bagel which is located at um, in Woodmere, New York, in the five towns. We've got to get a big old Thursday morning between 6 and 9 a.m. So we've got a lot left in terms of our On the Road in September with our friends from Azer Mitzion. Now, I, I mentioned Azer Mitzion um, with a couple of things in mind. In addition to, uh, mention, in addition to mentioning the, um, uh, the On the Road segment, Many of you are aware of the fact that there's a little bit of a competition going on in regard to Azer Mitzion's golf ball drop that's happening at their tournament this coming Tuesday. Uh, if you use the promo code Nahum, you get a certain percentage off. If you use the promo code Miriam, a certain percentage off. And we're basically trying to make sure that Nahum wins this battle against Miriam L. Wallach. So according to Ryan Hyman, I want to thank Ryan for updating me. According to Ryan Hyman in an email sent less than an hour ago, 
He writes, the leadership of Ezer Metzion wants to level the playing field in the promo code battle between Nahum and Miriam. This is welcome news. We applaud Ezer Metzion. This is welcome news. Uh, recognizing that you both have diverse audiences on the air and on social media, both promo codes are now 10%. They had given me this crazy handicap that made no sense. That it was 5% and Miriam L. Wallach was 10%. Now they have come to their senses at the Azer Metzion office. My words, by the way, this is not in the email. <laughs> have come to their senses and now both promo codes are 10% off. Your audiences have responded positively to this epic battle. And the payout for the three winners has grown considerably. The number of lives Azer Metzion will be able to save with the help of your audience is increasing with each golf ball purchase. Thank you. As of one hour ago, 7.52 in the morning, Nahum has a four golf ball lead. There you go. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, go to emgolf.org slash ball drop. Remember what they're doing. And again, those of you who, who are familiar with minor league baseball games, and I don't mean the actual baseball game, I mean the games they play between innings, you've, you've seen a similar thing to this. What they do is they take all these golf balls, including the ones that you've sponsored, they put them in a helicopter, and they drop them from the helicopter uh, onto the tee, onto the green. And uh, the three closest balls to the tee, the three closest balls to the hole, uh, will split the split the pot. And it's a considerable amount, and that's how it works. And when I saw this contest, I said, there's no way I can't be involved with this. And it ended up being this uh, friendly war between myself and Miriam L. Wallach. When you go to the website, emgolf.org slash ball drop, emgolf.org slash ball drop, purchase the golf balls, all right? Make sure to purchase the golf balls, emgolf.org slash ball drop. Use the promo code Nahum or the promo code Miriam for your 10% discount. I, of course, prefer if you use the promo code Nahum. emgolf.org slash ball drop. Let's do it for Azer Mitzion. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM&M. The sun is going down It's shining through the trees Another week's gone by Become a memory so throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Go on home and find a gift That's waiting there for you Oh, it's time to say good job Cause all your work is done I'm Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine. Man and his creator, it's a very special sign. Your candles will be burning, they'll fill your home with light. Singing songs of Shabbos, well into the Throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Go on home and find a gift That's waiting there for you Oh, it's time to say good Shabbos Cause all your work is done Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One 
Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Round the world, the web, and NachumSingle.com on the NachumSingle Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. And that wraps up a Friday Erev Shabbos here at JM in the AM. Thanks so much for tuning in. Plenty coming up over the weekend, of course. First of all, Naomi Nachman with a brand new edition of Table for Two is next. Mark Zomik and the Arab Shabbos Show brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. That's coming up later today, 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos Music Mix all day long here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, Siegel with Avrami. Sunday morning, it's JM Sunday with Matis. And at noon Sunday, we're live from the Achiezer Health Fair. Make sure to be tuned in and enjoy. Monday, we're back right here in studio at JM in the AM. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend till Monday, Nahum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future. Thank you.